Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. We know in our Catholic faith that we believe there are seven sacraments, signs in the community of the visible sign of God's presence. One of the sacraments that may not be totally understood correctly by a lot of people is the powerful sacrament called the anointing of the sick. Sometimes people who are older Catholics remember it as extra unction or the last rites, and that no one wants to see a priest until they're ready to die. And so sometimes there's a misunderstanding. Part of church history, especially in the Middle Ages with the plague and many people dying, obviously the emphasis on society was death and preparing to meet God and preparing for Judgment Day. But of course, that lasted for many centuries. And one of the things about Catholics, once we learn something, it's hard to forget. That's a gift, but also a curse at the same time. In the 1970s, the church began to go back to its origin, to remember our Catholic roots that Jesus is a healer and is so concerned with all his people in their mental, physical, and spiritual health. And so Catholics can't just be people who twiddle their thumbs in illness and say, I can't get any priest to come and see me and bless me because I'm not dying. And some people panic when they see a priest saying, oh my God, am I dying? And they don't understand that God desires healing for his people. That's why I always love, this past week I did a number of anointings, but I always love to see that as a teaching moment for a lot of people. The first thing I remind them, that in the oil that is used in the Bible, whenever oil, animal fat, or mud is placed on the skin of a person, it represents an interior change that is ongoing in the person. For the oil that has been blessed by the bishop to be used for those who are ill, it represents a change interiorly of physical, spiritual, mental, some kind of healing that is necessary for the person, whatever that may be, whatever God sees fit to do. I also remind people that the entire community of Christians always prays and remember their ill brothers and sisters who are not here today. Not only in prayer, but any form of prayer. But also it's important to know that our liturgical liturgical furnishings here within the sanctuary also remind us of the ill. All of you may be familiar with a tabernacle. Our place is in the center of the property. Some places have it behind the altar. And it's important to know that our teachings and documents of the tabernacle is this. That the first purpose of the tabernacle in taking hosts that remain from the Mass and place it in reservation in a special place called the tabernacle. The first purpose is reservation for the sick. Reservation for the sick. There's our tabernacle. And it reminds us that we pray and remember for those who are ill, who are not here with us, so that ministers of care go into the tabernacle, take the host, and visit people whether in the hospital or their home, wherever they may be, so that communion is brought to them and we pray for them. The third thing of the anointing of the sick that comes from the book of James is the forgiveness of sin. And I always remind people that the forgiveness of sins happens in the anointing of the sick because sin can blind us to God working 
even through moments of difficult time. When you're in surgery, when you're preparing for surgery, when the doctors tell you it could be months of recovery, when you feel alone and separate, maybe not have anyone take care of you, you have no advocate to guide you through the medical field, you wonder, is this going to be through the rest of your life? And for some people, their health situation is going to be, for the rest of their lives, a very big challenge. And sometimes sin's effect can be separating ourselves from God or saying God is not working or he's punishing me. He's the cause of my suffering. Sin can blind us to God working in difficult moments. That's what's happening today with Habakkuk. He is a prophet 2,700 years ago. And there he is talking to the people who see the enemies, the Assyrians, at the border. They are ready soon to go in and cause violence and destruction and take the people away from their land to Babylon for many, many centuries. It's a horrible, stressful situation. And Habakkuk sits with God in prayer and says something that you and I can even identify with today because every generation has asked this about God. God... Why do you force us to see violence in the world? Why do you force us to see suffering and hatred and conflict and poverty and illness and death? And you seem to not care. If you're a God who loves everyone and is all-knowing, why do you allow suffering? That's an important question to ask God. And Habakkuk is asking a very serious question with God. God, why do you allow this? What's going on? My friends, we're not going to be able to answer this. But God does give us an insight today. And through prayer, he talks to Habakkuk. And this is what he says. On the scroll, on a big tablet, write in a humongous word, my vision. Not the world's vision, but my vision for you. We kind of think that word is faith or trust. Knowing that God always remembers his promises. And this is what God says. People write the letters so big so that anyone who walks by the tablets will see that for themselves and know that God, I care. That my plan is in effect and I will not abandon people. Because my vision is different than the world's vision. You see, you and I are very aware of the world's vision. In fact, some Christians are more attuned to the world's vision than God's vision. Because we see that every day. Hatred, domestic violence, war, people suffering from lack of love, of dignity of being abused, those are things that you and I are familiar with. People being used and their humanity forgotten, we see that. We're familiar with it. And we're more in tune with God than rather God's vision. And what is God's vision? That he wants us to remind people that he is with them in the midst of suffering. The forgiveness of sin helps us 
to remove any blindness or blinders that we have so that we don't despair, that we don't think we're a victim, that we don't think that God is punishing us because we're not living the right way that God wants us to. Because that's not who God is. But rather, God wants us to keep the reminder to be loyal. You see, in the New Testament, the word faith better translates to the word loyal. Be loyal to Christ and his teaching. My friends, is loyalty important to you? Do you want loyalty from your spouses, from your children, your family, from people that you've learned to love, your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow parishioners, people you happen to encounter? Because what's it like when you go through a difficult time and people abandon you and very few people are loyal to you? It hurts. It's crushing most especially if you're not understood. Most especially when you know that you're just trying to do the right thing and you feel alone or abandoned. You want loyalty. And I think God is asking the same thing in the word faith. Be loyal to the vision. Be loyal to the vision. There's a picture of a young man sitting at a park bench and next to him is Jesus. And there amidst in a conversation. And underneath you can read that, that uh, conversation. And the young man turns to Jesus and asks him, Jesus, if you're so loving, why do you allow violence and destruction and death and pain and poverty and all types of bad things to happen? Why do you allow that? Jesus thinks for a while, and then he turns to the young man and says, funny you ask that question. I was going to ask you the same thing. Maybe God wonders, why do we allow suffering to happen? Why do we allow poverty to exist? Why do we promote hatred? Why do we turn a blind eye to lies and things that rob people of dignity? And why do we place other things more important than people? Why do we use people instead of things? God is asking us too. And so our role then is to be witnesses and to remind the world that God is with them. You see, the role of the church isn't to rule the world. The role of the church is not to solve all the problems of the world. The role of the church is to remind the world that Christ, that God is with them and guiding them through any difficult time. When I decided a number of years ago to start going to prisons, I was scared. Something happened in my life that eventually gave me the courage to start going, and I can remember starting and going, great. I'm going to bring God to all those prisoners there. They'll know God through me. And afterwards, I found out that God was already in prison. All the inmates needed to just be reminded, God hasn't abandoned them. He's with them.
And I decided, oh, I think I'll coach football at Sunny Slope. I'm going to be, bring God to that pagan public school, and we'll start doing good stuff there. And you know what? I found out, just like you, God is already there. All I do is point and remind people God's working in their life. You see, the last council of the church, the last council was in the 1960s. And through Vatican II, that is the highest form of teaching. And through the Church in the Modern World document, here's what it says about the laity and leadership of the church. All we are called to do is to point God out to everyone and remind people God is with them. The problem is sin blinds us to see God. Selfishness, self-absorbed, not caring for the common good are sins that are against the vision of God. And so, what kind of healing do we need? What blinds us from seeing God working when we are sad or preoccupied or wounded or afraid? You see, the church cares about your healing because the effects of sin is that it can blind us from seeing God working even in moments of sadness and pain. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 